Welcome to From Mrs. to Me, a podcast where you will be inspired by courageous stories of strength and resilience told by women just like you who have been through the upheaval of divorce. This is their journey from Mrs. to Me, finding their true identity and creating a bold, fulfilling life. These real-life stories of divorce are shared without a filter, covering everything from the painful experiences to the amazing discoveries along the way. I'm Chrissy Freeman, and I'm your host, a certified life coach and divorce mother of two. This is the raw, authentic truth of divorce and what it takes to transform and live in alignment with the real you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of From Mrs. to Me. I'm Chrissy Freeman, divorce empowerment coach and your host. I'm so excited to share this episode with you and this next guest, Kathy Batista. I met Kathy through our mutual mentor, coach, and colleague, Julie Riesler, owner of the Life Designer Coach Academy, as we are both certified through her Life Designer Coaching Academy and now part of our Inner Circle Mastermind group, which is amazing. I was immediately drawn to Kathy's warm energy, love of coaching, and the amazing work she's doing with clients. So for some background on Kathy, Kathy is the go-to coach for midlife women. She believes midlife isn't just based on age, it's a phase of life and can be your best one yet. I agree with that completely. By tapping into your values and strength, you can take aligned action to to create purpose and joy, leading to that often missing sense of fulfillment. Having navigated midlife changes and shifts, Kathy offers guidance and compassion to women asking themselves, is this it or what's next? She enjoys sharing the tools of her growth with her clients and peers. With certifications in life designer coaching, thought coaching, quantum time technique, and mindfulness facilitation, Kathy coaches women to discover their midlife magic through conscious healing and self-discovery. Wow. (laughs) Talk about life transformation and living with purpose. I, I can't wait to hear more about your story. Welcome, Kathy. Oh, Chrissy, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to first be on your show and second to share these stories of transformation with your audience. Thank you, Kathy. And, you know, I know we were chatting before we started and um, wanted to just share with the audience um, that your divorce actually occurred several years ago and your children were very young. I think you shared with me one and three. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit. I know, you know, I'm asking you to walk back here um, and reflect on um, who you were back then, which may have been a very different person, but can you tell me about who, excuse me, who Kathy was in that, in that moment, in that time before your divorce? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. And I think that most people that go through divorces 
um, what I've found when speaking with family members and friends is that it actually is really easy to go back to that because it is such a um, whirlwind. It's such a, for lack of better words, like sometimes it's just this shock, right? Other times it's this slow uh, boil, but it's really easy to go back to that time. Um, and it is really easy for me today to drop back into those feelings. And prior to my divorce, I was, um, I even felt it then. I felt kind of um, not immature, but not quite an adult. Like who on earth said I could have children and a husband? <laughs> right? <laughs> like I felt like very like, surreal. Right. And mm. so, uh, and that led to me not knowing if I was doing it right because I wasn't secure in who I was or, or what roles I was to play. And, um, and it's funny to, it's not funny, but marriages, I believe it's like one of three reasons why they dissolve or end is it's, you know, uh, one spouse wants it the other spouse wants it, or you both want it, right? Mm -hmm. And my divorce came about because my ex-husband wanted the divorce. And so, like you had said, my kids were one in three. And the first time that my ex-husband, Mike, mentioned divorce was when our youngest was six months. Mm. And I was so insecure and so unsettled with who I was, which is and was very unlike me. My whole life, I've always had a very strong sense of self, a strong personality. Um, but I just folded to this of, I can't fail. What am I doing wrong? And so I begged and I said, listen, what can we do? Like, we need to fix this. I don't want a divorce. So uh, being very persuasive, I convinced him. And then within six months, he asked again. And I realized that it just, you can't want it for yourself, right? Even if mm. I wanted it for my kids, I wanted this, this ideal, this marriage, this relationship, this family. And it doesn't work when one person is the only one that wants it. And um so then we divorced and the boys were young and that was just very, very scary. But it also was the first time that I realized that I had the capability and that I was an adult and that I am an amazing mom. And I actually, this divorce, this, this trauma led me to feeling more secure and yeah. oftentimes it leads us to not, but, and it wasn't this smooth thing. I mean, it was, you know, of course, not all people who have divorced, but most things are said, uh, you have arguments, you have discussion, things are said, they wound, whatnot. So I took time to heal, but ultimately it led to me feeling so much more secure, you know, like just pulling my bootstraps up. And often people I remember at the time saying, oh my gosh, how are you not a mess? And I'm like, I have a one and three-year-old. I don't have time. Exactly. <laughs> a mess right now, right? Like yeah. I had to lose, right? And so then that led to having to deal with those 
wounds and that trauma later once that dust settled and I figured out how to navigate being a single mom divorced at that young age with my young boys. But as I sit here today, right, the it's different. Yeah, of course it is. And, but it, when you're in the moment, it is one of the scariest things to go through. Right. And I think for so many reasons, I mean, you covered so many things here as, you know, I think about, you know, identity, becoming a mom, you know, you're a wife and now, you know, everything shifts within a matter of minutes or a matter of days. And now, you're a single mom, you're having to manage everything on your own. And it, some, some people really, really struggle with that because their identity has become a wife and a mom. And so how do you go, how do you transition through that and really find confidence? You know, you talked about that confidence. Um, what I would like to ask you, Kathy, is, you know, your kids were really young. And so if you can tell me, how did you sort of redefine that family unit for you and your boys? You know, you talked yeah. about, you know, they were really young having two boys and um, a lot of women really struggle with navigating that, you know, creating new traditions and, and just doing things differently now. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey? Yeah, I think that in the moment of, of uh, and it really for me wasn't a moment, uh, and I don't think it is for many people, divorce often takes a lot of moments and a lot of our time and yeah. a lot of our money and everything, right? Um, but learning how to meet it with less resistance was something that came, I didn't think about it, but it was very innate for me. Um, I did not particularly care for and probably actually had feelings of hatred for my ex-husband at the time, right? Mm. But the path of least resistance was not to say those in front of the kids and to not uh. even really say it to him. Like, and that um, isn't isn't just being, you know, uh, taking the higher road and whatnot. It really was actually more about them than it was about me. I'm not from a divorced family. My parents are still together. This mm -hmm. is not to say that there wasn't arguments or I actually can remember when I was 18 years old, they were having a fight and my mom said, I want a divorce. The kids are older. I'm going to leave now. And you would have thought I was three. I lost. <laughs> I cried. And I was like, that is that. Right? Yeah. Like, the no, end of your I world. Have, yeah, it was horrible. And so I didn't have a frame of reference of how to navigate this. But I knew that whatever this man was to me, he was their father. Mm. And whatever type of dad he was to them, that was his responsibility, but I needed to always shine him in a good light because I, I learned early on in life and it's a, a rule that I kind of always live by because for one, it feels good, 
But when we talk bad about people, it truly just reflects on us. The other people yeah. we're speaking to remembers those words that it was coming from us. So if I, I knew if I was to bad talk or bad mouth or, oh, he's late again, like, mm -hmm. like I could have done, right? Um, that it would be, those memories would be attached to me and not what my intention would have been to attach them to him, right? Yes. Um, and, and so it was very hard to make sure that I met every day with the least resistance, right? If he was canceling, just let it go. If he wanted to show up, just, you know, um, and also this moved on through all the stages of my children, right? When we have kids, or if you have kids, you notice that they go through phases themselves and there were times neither one of them wanted to go see him, right? And oh, I said, I'll yes. never push you. I'll never. So it's meeting that, meeting them and meeting everybody where they're at with the least amount of resistance. Mm. But also, Chrissy, I can't even stress that it's not about being a doormat or not about having boundaries. It is, but just that least resistance. And that, and like you were saying, having to develop traditions with young kids where, you know, normally it's, you know, the family goes, picks out this Christmas tree together, or they are, you know, doing these holiday things together. We really had to look at making things our own and not feeling, I, I stressed to myself, not feeling guilt that it wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be mm. because they didn't have those preconceived notions. They right. didn't realize that, you know, every Thanksgiving, not everybody just spends it with their dad. Right. Like, so they didn't. Yeah. They didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Because so they were really so young. Mm. Yes. Not to push that. And that was about also the meeting, the less resistance of like, okay, what holidays are really important to you, to my ex-husband, what, you know, and Thanksgiving was a big one in his family. So for the beginning years of my divorce, I often spent Thanksgiving home alone, which sounds sad, but I loved it. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> have, yeah, it was beautiful to just, I mean, I, it allowed me space and time to breathe. And it was, the world was quiet because everybody else was celebrating. So it was actually really beautiful. I love that so much. So many nuggets you shared that like, I think are so important for this audience and we haven't really touched on yet um, is this co-parenting relationship and the, and, importance of, first I want to highlight what you said about the importance of not talking negatively about your former spouse. Now, it may be your former spouse and there's a lot of animosity there, right? There's a lot of other baggage and things that we're holding on to that we want to be able to vent, but our children is not the place to do that. And so I'm, I'm so glad that you said that. I did come from a family, um, a, a divorced family. And what I learned from my experience is not to do that because my parents did have a very toxic divorce. They did put us in the middle. And I 
knew that when when it came time for me to leave my marriage, that I was not going to do that to my children. And as hard as it is some days, it meant I might have to pick up the phone and call one of my girlfriends in my bedroom with the door locked (laughs) and just vent and say, is now a good time for you? I need to just share because if I don't, I'm going to explode. And so we do need to give ourselves that too, but there is the appropriate way to do that. And I think our kids, they still love their father. They, st- for in most situations, right? It's the other parent. And so let them also formulate what that relationship is going to be like with their parent. And it might be, Kathy, right? That there are days that they don't want to go there. And for whatever reason, and, and what we can do is teach them about choice and how they communicate that to the other party if they're old enough. If they're not old enough, then obviously we can help them navigate that or we're the one communicating. And that's where the whole co-parenting relationship comes into play around setting really good communication with Mm -hmm. your former spouse up front so that you can have these difficult conversations when needed. And also set boundaries, which is, I love that you said that too. So I want, that's what I want to really highlight is you you said so many great things and this boundaries. I hear from women all the time that, you know, my, my former spouse, he wants to call me all the time and it, it drives me crazy. I'm in the middle of something and he's like, can you talk now? I need to talk now. And um, is interrupting dinner or, you know, or texting me negatively, you know, how, how do I set boundaries around that? And so I'm curious what your experience was um, in being successful in setting those clear boundaries with your former spouse. Yeah, I think, um, I'm remembering definitely that uh, we both, and I can really only speak about me, but um, talking on the phone or even in person always escalated the emotions for me and him and would often, it would, you can only hide that for so long. You know, you're on Mm. the phone and you've got very young kids or there's, you're doing drop off and the kids are right there. So we learned through trial and error and, and actually, um, so now we're what, 16 years later, um, we, this is all we, we only really text. If we see each other, we can talk. Now is so much different, right? Now yeah. it's just so much different, but we only texted the like logistic communications or, you know, those sorts of, you can't send them home with all their dirty laundry every time because it's like, you know, and then expect me to pack them up. Like, you know, like it's setting up those rules. And, and if it's in text, you can, people often say sometimes text loses stuff, but sometimes that's good, right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, I wouldn't oh mind God, losing some of those. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So it definitely, it can always be clarified, but for us, that really de-escalated the emotion around 
the divorce, right? Because I know for certain, if you were to interview Mike, there were things, you know, he was very resentful in the beginning of the, um, the settlements and, and what the courts found and how, you know, so there was that anger Mm. around those things. Right. And so, so he, I'm sure is coming to the table with his own issues around Mm. the divorce, right. As well as I'm coming with mine, you know, and, and I could have argued the settlement should have been different, but anyway, right. It's like, it's always something because it is so personal. Like if we think of how the relationship with this individual started, it's most often very charged and and you're in love and you're committing to spending the rest of your life together. Those are strong emotions. So we can only assume that on the other side, they're just as strong. And so we have to create those boundaries of not stoking that fire of of resentment and anger. And so for us, it was really going, how can we communicate best? And a lot of acceptance. Like I had to stop um, asking for certain things. Like it's almost like that saying, like someone shows you who they are, believe them, right? Yes. Do I have to say, you know, different things like, you know, do you want to see the kids and do you want, like you just start to learn that they have their own idea of what they want and that it may not resonate or line up with mine. And so to the boundaries is more saving my peace of mind instead of going like, why can't he see it this way? Mm. And that, and that, that might not be the best way to handle this is to say, like, I know what's best for these kids. And, and for running the risk of being sexist, most mothers do know what's best for them. <laughs> yes, they do. And most moms just, you just have these instinctual things, right? Mm-hmm. And so to have that boundary of, I cannot control whatever parent-child relationship comes out of their experience together right. because of what I want for that relationship, that I want him to be this type of dad. And so that it's just learning to almost pull back and have sort of a presence and awareness around it. So that, I guess, long answer, but definitely creating boundaries of communication. But I also know that there are marriages that, um, and I have some in my family that they communicate and are so much better apart. Their parenting is so Mm. much better, right? It's like, they just are, this is an amazing, my sister for one, my sister is divorced and her ex-husband, the father of her children, is her business partner and co-parent. And they do those two things beautifully. They just didn't have that marriage part beautifully. So every divorce situation, it's so unique. And then that's where we need to lend grace to ourselves. Because if I was to say, oh my gosh, how come my ex-husband can't be like my sister Christine's ex-husband? Now it's just comparing these situations. We have to allow for that grace 
and then decide what we want for our relationship with this ex and for our relationship with our children and allow everything else to sort of create its own because it doesn't necessarily include me, which Mm -hmm. sometimes feels hurtful, but it doesn't. Yeah. Oh, so true. And, you know, I think this is a really good lesson. Divorce is a good lesson in what we can and can't control, right? Because at the end of the day, we can only control ourselves and how we react and how we respond to things. And I always say, unless there is a safety concern, parenting differently is okay. Meaning, It may not be handled exactly the same way, but as long as you are communicating with your co-parent so you know what's happening in that house in terms of how it might impact you when they come into your house, that is very important, right? But controlling how they respond to things and, you know, how they might put the child to bed versus how you put them to bed. You know, what's, there are certain things that we just need to let go of and know that the other parent is doing the best that they can. And, you know, when we are constantly saying, Jeffrey told me that you did, that you didn't give him that snack before bed. And he always gets that it's just going to make the divide even greater between you and that co-parent. And then when there's a big thing that you do need to discuss and be on the same page around, it's so much more difficult to navigate through that. So, um, so many, so many great points that you shared there. I I love it. And I'm glad we got to focus on the co-parenting relationship there for a minute. But I want to shift a little bit because you talked about you know, Thanksgiving and the holiday and how you were alone. And you do so much work now around healing. And, um, you know, I think regardless of whether it's at the end of a divorce or it's another life change, we all need to do the inner healing, right? We need to take care of ourselves. And that is the self-love, the self-care that so many of us sort of forget about and we put ourselves last. And so, I'm curious what sort of tips or helpful things you might have for the audience around self-care and healing. Yeah. Um, I know that this probably doesn't help, but it is always so unique and so different. And so for, for me with my divorce, and um, so I'm going to be really honest and say that one of the chief complaints that um, Mike had that he wanted to divorce was that he no longer found me attractive mm. to have sex or to be intimate with, right? And that was a huge um blow to my inner and outer self-esteem. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. And so that was where I had to focus first was why was I putting, like I had lost myself that it, I deemed that now I was not worthy as a woman or worthy as, as to receive love. And, and that I, it's prior to marriage and even probably at the beginning of the marriage, 
I've always had really a good um, outlook. Like I love myself. I loved mm-hmm. myself then. Even when I was a kid, I would say I love every, I would tell my mom, I love everything about me. I even love my name. Like I just <laughs> always loved myself. Oh, we and- should have been friends when we were little. I was the same exact. <laughs> yeah. But this divorce threw me for a loop because I didn't realize how much that outside validation, I needed it and it Mm. affected me. And it was, it was, yes, now I was divorced and I had this broken marriage and my children were children of divorce. And that was a huge trauma and I had to get over. But what affected me more was that I was, um, visually unappealing and I was ugly and unattractive and, and not useful. Like it just hit me to the core. Mm. So that's where I had to focus on. Um, and that's when I was like, my Thanksgivings were beautiful because it was this me, myself and I time where I was intentionally celebrating and being grateful for myself. And having that time and learning to love myself. And, and, and it was, um, really coming that homecoming, coming back to that individual that I do love myself. And no matter, I believe, sure, we can find somebody attractive on the outside, but that's not what attracts me to my husband now or what attracts me to other people. It's that soul connection and that I have a beautiful soul and it was just waiting to be connected with somebody. And so a lot of those self-care tips were for me realizing that I didn't have to follow rules, right? people, when are you going to get back out and date? Why are you spending Mm. the night home alone? Like you have your kids all week and now it's this one night. Why aren't you going out? Why aren't you doing this? I needed to find a way that it worked for me and not like if somebody said, oh, it's not good for you to spend your nights all alone when the kids go. And if I would have believed them in that, I would have missed out on what my soul was calling for was that cocooning time and was that reintroduction to the love that I have for myself. And Uh. so it's really getting clear on, and and believe you me, there were definitely times I went out and right, like it is a weird thing to like, enter the dating scene. That has to be a whole nother podcast. I can come back. Oh oh, yeah. Oh yeah. We'll need you to come back for that. (laughs) That's a huge topic. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes. With these wounds of like, no one's going to find you attractive. I have some stories around that, but it's finding what works for you. Right. And one thing that might not look like self-care to other people and might sound counterintuitive to my my comments that, you know, Mike found me unattractive and that my body and I mean, between me and you, my good Lord, I had just had to kiss. But right? anyway, like, one was one. But, <laughs> wow. Um, right? Like two, two and two. But anyways, um, so what I did, and I remember this still now for self-care on those nights, because he would only take the kids one night a week. Mm. And so that one night for... I want to say probably almost a year, 
one thing during our marriage is Mike did not like Chinese food, and I've always like loved good Chinese food. Ah, uh, yes. And so I would order more than one person could eat, and I wouldn't eat it all. But it was that self care of I'm going to spend this night ordering Chinese food, whatever I want from this menu. And I'm going to watch whatever I want on this TV, yes. right? And that was so therapeutic to go, you you deserve to have Chinese food and have whatever you want from it, right? And yes. even eat it the next day for breakfast. So what, mm-hmm. right? And so that, it it might seem counterintuitive to somebody who goes, oh, but your wound is that you're fine. you find yourself unattractive now. Why are you spending this night watching TV and eating Chinese food? But it fed parts of me, sort of like when we do inner child work and we do things that feed that part and it just gives life to our whole being. I remember that being, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't feel as uh, a need to have Chinese food now <laughs> right. as it was then. Like I hardly ever really, but then I remember it. Oh, I remember it. And it's funny because, yeah, but. I remember doing that and and knowing that there was this element of FU that felt really good. Yeah. Oh, I love this so much, Kathy, because it, well, first of all, I love that you stayed home and that you said you gave yourself what you needed because I can't tell you how many of us, including myself, after my divorce, I was so afraid of this this being alone and what other people might think and it was like nope you have to get right back on the horn you have to like get busy make your sure you're busy and i was so busy that i did not have time to even think about what i wanted to even you know even now i have this beautiful journal pra- journaling practice where i'm able to really just sit with a warm cup of coffee and oh do i love that it's my favorite time of day Instead of doing those things or getting my favorite meal that I wanted to by myself, um, you know, I was busying myself and I was out there and not really giving myself that self-love, self-care, whatever it looks like for me, I didn't even know what that was because I, I wasn't slowing down and giving myself that time. And I think that is part of the healing process is, you know, too many women don't want to feel the pain. And so it's like, okay, instead of feel it, I'm going to go out with my girlfriends every night. And when I'm not going out with my girlfriends, I'm going to be going on dates. I'm going to make sure I'm getting myself out there. So then when it comes time for, you know what, I think I want to, you know, get back into my next relationship you haven't healed those wounds and and you still don't really know exactly what you want in that authentic new relationship. Um, and so we're repeating old patterns that were coming up before in the past. So I love that you did that. Um, that's amazing. And, um, and it probably brought you to your new spouse that you ended up meeting because you had gone through the healing. You had really allowed yourself to have that time to figure out who you were and what you wanted in a relationship going forward. Would you say that's accurate? I definitely would because just like 
kind of turning off those people, the outside noise, and they often all mean well. They all want the best. And Mm -hmm. especially because they're hurting for us too, because they love us and see this, right? But turning off whatever, because I did meet my now husband, Dave, about um, two and a half years after the divorce. Mm. And so some people thought that was too soon, right? Right. So you're always going to have somebody's input, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, if you get clear on, and, and this is another topic too for remarrying, like Dave and I went to um, like counseling together because we both come from divorces and we were like, we're not going to do it. We need to get clear. And that's really important. Taking that time for yourself and getting clear on, um, what your role was in it. Everybody, it's not, it's not a one person fight here, right? Everybody has a a part to play, right? And, And big or small, getting clear on what, I needed to change what I did that might have been, you know, manipulative or passive aggressive or mm. or unloving, right? And and how how I behaved and what I would have wanted for myself and what I would have wanted from somebody else. To get clear on that is so important and that's where I think if um people are coming to, you know, this transitional coach like yourself for divorce, like that is such a huge impact and a service you're doing to yourself and your future self because you set yourself up for success by kind of cleaning out the weeds, right? It's, it's sort of like that all of a sudden you wake up and you look in your backyard and your once beautiful flower bed is just overgrown with weeds and you don't know what's what you have no idea. So you can go in and tear it all up. Or you can go in and mindfully look and 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 sometimes that is where help comes in, whether it's a therapist or a friend or a coach, to mindfully look and go, okay, what what do I want this to look like? And how yes. can I make that happen? And that takes time. Yeah. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, it, it does, that's one of the, if I could give, you know, the audience sort of one thing to really focus on after divorce um, or even, uh, you know, pre-divorce is how, what is the support that you're going to need? Because I call it your village, meaning it is friends. Yes, you definitely need the support of friends and family, but it's also those other professionals that can really give you the tools, action steps that you can implement. And I didn't find a coach until much longer. I had gone to marriage counseling, but then, you know, once we decided to move forward with the divorce, um, I didn't do anything for a while. I sort of just mm-hmm. tried to navigate it on my own. <laughs> I didn't do a very good job for a while. That's okay. <laughs> and, you know, I learned, you know, I did finally find a coach and, um, you know, I still communicate with her to this day and I still have a coach for myself. I mean, I think through every phase of our lives, having that support is is really crucial in our growth. And it doesn't mean that we're broken. It doesn't mean, you know, that something's wrong with us. It means that we're just getting that little extra guidance 
that we might need to be able to reflect and say, okay, I'm okay. I got this. And I've got my village behind me who is helping me along the way, which is huge. Well, and I think it's something to be said for that. I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm assuming that other, this is how other people's friends are, but my friends were like, yeah, what a jerk. Yeah. What a jerk. Right. So then you have all this noise and support around that aspect of it, but that doesn't lead to identifying where your responsibility laid and identifying how you can grow from it. And my mother and father, um, I have learned to really admire their response to this in that um, they supported me and they helped when and where they could. But to this day, they do not say an unkind word about my ex-husband. And it is because that's their grandchildren's dad. And that really taught me a lot about how to interact with Mike and knowing like with that, we, we want to keep my children's their that sacredness of Mm -hmm. that relationship. So there was this element when it first happened where I was like, why aren't they giving me that? My poor baby, he's such a jerk. Well, you know what I mean? Now I appreciate it. But to your point, we have some people in our lives who just keep their mouth shut. They don't want to get involved into it. Or if you might have a brother who's really good friends with your ex. Yeah. So it's this silence or they're like on the bag wagon with their pitchforks and then like they're ready to go with you. Yeah. But to have someone in your corner that is truly in your corner, in your personal growth, in developing who you are going to become because in some cases it's truly like a a death of that identity and so you need to rebuild a new one and so to have somebody in your corner that is solely for your purpose and your growth is it's invaluable Yes. And, and what a beautiful gift that your parents gave you. Right. And, um, yeah, you know, I did have friends in my, in my life as well, who again, loved me, but there was a lot of negativity. There was a lot of questioning decisions that I would make almost like they felt sort of responsible for me now because, Mm -hmm. you know, I had gone through this significant change and, you know, so, I would say it's okay to, if friendships do start to change for a period of time, you know, if you, cause sometimes that going through that significant change, like you said, like a death, it is an opportunity for us to sort of self-reflect and look at things a little differently and say, you know, who, who are those people that I really need, I really need in my life that are really going to help me to shine and to be my authentic self. And I'm not saying to say goodbye to all your other friends because they do love you. It's just, I'm saying there might be a shift and there might be new people that come into your life as a result. And that's okay. It might be a beautiful gift. (laughs) Exactly. It might be better than okay. But I'm wondering, I I just am remembering now with friends, I don't know if this happened to you, but telling friends that we were getting divorced and whatnot. And I mean, I had some who were like, oh, I knew it would never work. Oh, Oh. and and you're like, (laughs) 
How helpful yeah, is that? Yeah, that's great. Right? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you were at my wedding going, yeah, nope, this ain't lasting, right? Like, and you're just going, oh my gosh, it actually is so much, it feels so much worse because you feel like you were late to the joke. Everybody yes, knew, yes. And you just hook, line, and sinker went for it and everybody mm -hmm. else and I knew this wasn't good. That is the worst. That's the worst feeling. And it's so unsupportive. Yeah. Yeah. So, so even some of your listeners are friends of people. Going yes, through. I was just going to say that. So if you are friends to someone who is going through this, please do not say these things. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'll never forget. It really like it felt it felt like Oh, it felt worse. It felt so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I do, Kathy, as I said at the beginning, I, you know, I love um, listening to you and the passion and love you have for coaching the women that you work with. And a lot of the women that follow this podcast um, are women in their midlife. And so they're going through other things other than just divorce, going through the change and some other shifts. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about, um, you know, we talk about pivots and different changes that we make. Tell me about this work that, that you're doing with women and this pivot that you made to sort of create this this coaching business. Yeah. Um, so for me, midlife came hard and fast. And I had, in midlife, I work with this knowledge of it being 35 to 70 years old. It's the largest time of our life. And within that, we have many transitions and many purposes. So if you learn how to navigate the transition, it's like kind of having a blueprint for the next one that comes along. So we work with this knowledge that we are going to have these transitions and midlife actually for women coincides with perimetopause, which thankfully is becoming, you know, so much more talked about Yes, and because what happens is, is our estrogen levels start to decline and we have estrogen receptors all over our bodies. And one of the first places that they start to decline is in our brain, which then leads to sleep disturbances, mood swings, um, and, and feeling of sadness and, and all that. And so it's this marriage of chronologically having a shift as well as biologically having a shift. And it's just this bam, right. Mm. And, um, I didn't do really well. I didn't handle it really well. I, I drank too much. I ate too much. I shopped too much. I didn't talk about it. I, and, and there was guilt around it because I felt so miserable, but mm. everything was wonderful. And especially Chrissy being somebody who had gone through a divorce and yeah. then you find this love again and and so what do I have to complain about, mm, right? Yeah. But I still felt like complaining all the time. So there was that guilt and shame that I felt miserable. And so I just shoved it down. And then finally finding my way out, I said, there has to be a better way to handle and navigate these shifts because I knew more would come during this largest time of our life. And often when we're younger, we go through transitions and there's people to help us, right? I mean, mm. you've got guidance counselors helping you pick out your school 
and then you, you know, you're getting married and you have all this support, you have children and they're coming out of the woodwork to see your children, but you go through midlife transition and no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to. So this is where we need to create this community of women and find this support so that you can say, because what happens is if we ask ourselves, like, is this it? Is this all there is? Like we're, you know, we're 35, 40, 45, 50. Is this it? What's next? This can't be it, right? Mm. And so having somebody help you navigate your answers to those questions of what's next for you. And it might be building off of where you are, or it might be a complete restructure, a complete identity growth of who you want to become. But it's so important to acknowledge that, yeah, things don't feel that great right now. I'm not feeling like myself, which ultimately is you are expressing yourself in a way that is not expressing your values or promoted by your strengths. And so that's what I help women to do is to find ways to grow while you're being supported by your own values and helped with your own individual strengths because everybody has an answer for us but it might not be the one that works for us yes yes oh so much of that resonates with me where i am at in my life right now so i hear you and you know it's the same like i loved what you said around everything is great but why am I not feeling that way? And it's, you know, it happens to me so often right now is just like you said, I did go through that whole, you know, divorce transformation and changing my life and doing the things that I love now and have an amazing relationship. But (laughs) there's still this thing that wants to keep nagging at me um, saying, things aren't right. Things aren't right. There's chaos here. Why, 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 yes. what, why does it feel so chaotic? Um, yeah. and I can't sleep and you know, all those other things. So uh, that's so great that you're offering this for women because I, I just think it's so needed and you're right. We don't talk about it enough. I'm finally mm-hmm. starting to hear it a little more and more, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's still not enough. It, yeah, it's in definitely. mainstream. So definitely. And I feel like with these transitions, when we're feeling this unsettled and this disturbed and this is something is wrong, it's it's hitting us so hard. But, and I don't know how to say this without really saying it, but it's never as hard as it seems. Yes. Sometimes it's just little tweaks in our lives that like I often tell people like you're on your journey, you know exactly where you're going. I just have a flashlight so you don't trip over that rock right there, right? Oh, like that's it's perfect. like yeah. So it's like you it's all inside of you, but sometimes it just feels so hard. Mm. But when we pull back and you have somebody else helping you shine a light on it, it truly never is as hard as it seems when you're in that mess, right? When you're yeah. in that of it. And I love seeing, and and I mean, look at you, this podcast, your growth, it's like incredible. And it's, it's inspirational to other women to go, yeah, you can reinvent yourself at any point in time. You can build off of yourself and create 
your identity because your identity is just your habits. Your identity is what you do every day. And so you can become that. Yes. Oh, and that's so much about the work that that I'm doing with women is is about around your identity. But one last question uh, that I want to ask you, Kathy, that I like to ask all my guests, which okay. is, um, how do you define authenticity? Yes, authenticity for yourself. It's- yeah, to define authenticity for myself, which is it's such an amazing word because it there is a definition, right? But also it's so different for everybody. Yes. When I'm authentic and when I know I'm being authentic is when it is that ease. Mm. When it's that ease or when the best is when I catch myself joyful and smiling. I know that what I'm doing is authentic. And you really, through the work that I do, I have this like three pillar approach that I work with my women. And the first one is mood, where we get really intentional about our body. And that's honestly the first clue as to when and where and how you're being authentic is getting in touch with how that shows up in your body. And so for me, I I know where I feel authenticity. I know where if someone asks me to do something and within seconds, if it's in, aligned, authenticity is for me being aligned with my values, with my strengths and living from that place of alignment where I'm being authentic. And now is it a hundred percent of the time? No. Do I always listen to my body? (laughs) Right? Like that's what life is about. It's about learning from those times that it's like, oh my gosh, why did I say that? Why did I do that? It felt so unaligned. Then I know that I wasn't being authentic to my true higher inner self. Right? So for me, it's just that moments of joy that I find. And, and you know, that sneaking feeling when you smile, it just feels so good. Oh yeah. It's like this podcast interview with you right now. Like all I want to do is like smile. I'm like, I'm so happy. I know that I'm exactly where I need to be in this moment. And yeah. And that's where, you know, you're in alignment. Right. And so I love that you feel it in your entire being and it, it just lights you up. And so, but you're right. I don't have that all the time. There are paying bills and other things I need to do that do not always make me feel so authentic and wonderful, yeah. but, um, yeah. but that, that is such a good way to think about it. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. And so Kathy, um, if the audience wants to connect with you, how can they find you? Yeah. First, I would love if you want to connect. That's amazing. I love meeting amazing people and people who are on their journey. So you can find me on social media at Coach Kathy Batista, or you can go straight to my website, which is my name, kathybatista.com. And I have a free quiz on my website that I am such not a gatekeeper. Like I was like, oh, here's a freebie. And then all of a sudden, like I have 12 freebies. If you take this quiz, like I just (laughs) can't. Because I feel like coaching should be so accessible to people. And sometimes mm. people don't want to take that step. So there's tons of freebies after this quiz. And 
just like you, I'm starting a little something new. So you can also find me on YouTube under my YouTube channel. It's Teachings and Tangents with Kathy Batista. And we just have a lot of fun. They're short little teachings and tangents. And so you can find me there too. Oh, I love that. And for the audience, I'll also include everything that Kathy just talked about in the show notes. So you can access that after as well, if you don't have a pen in hand. And um, so thank you so much, Kathy. And for those of you listening, um, if you're interested in joining the From Mrs. To Me community, you can find us on Facebook at From Mrs. To Me Rediscovering You After Divorce. And speaking of freebies, as Kathy just mentioned, uh, we are going through right now, a 30-day intention challenge and would love for you to join. It's free. Um, So come on in and join the fun. So, and if you like this podcast, please rate, review it wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. So keep doing that inner work and I'll see you here next time. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed another episode of From Mrs. to Me, real-life stories of real women and their journey of transformation after divorce. I'm Chrissy Freeman, and if you like this episode, please drop a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you have a story to share? Are you ready to inspire other women on their journey through divorce? If so, find me on Instagram at From Mrs. to Me. For more tools and resources on making your transformation after divorce, follow my community on Facebook, From Mrs. to Me, Rediscovering You After Divorce.